Please don't write down anything on that list yet. Don't write down anything uh, while they're passing it out. But turn your Bible. We'll stand in just a moment. Joshua chapter number 2. Joshua chapter number 2. Let me say I am honored very much to be here at Whitfield Baptist Church. I've known Brother Wayne uh, probably over 20 or 30 years. I know he's not but 39 years old, so uh, I, I just uh, know I hadn't known him that long. And we just love and appreciate Brother Wayne. What a, what a stabilizing force he is, I believe, in the kingdom of heaven here in the Dalton area and in our North Georgia area. I appreciate your pastor. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says uh, that he gave some apostles, some prophets, uh, some uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers to perfect in the word. And your pastor is a gift, a gift to the church. And I hope you appreciate the gift that God has given you. And that's what pastors are, gifts to the church. We appreciate Brother Jason, his, his leadership and the way, the direction he's going. We appreciate him deeply for the work he has done. I am going to preach on the ministry of intercession this morning. And if God be my helper, I want to preach on how to pray for the lost. That comes out of the Old Testament in the book of Kings. How to pray for the lost. What's a good way to pray for people that we're going to put their name down here eventually? And so uh, Ephesians, uh, Joshua chapter 2, in just a moment, we'll stand. Well, a letter was handed to the pastor at the end of a service in which the pastor strongly had urged the church members to be present for the church because the church was counting on them. And so a man wrote back to the pastor and said this, Dear pastor, as I was hearing your sermon, I jotted down this little note. I want you to know that you can count on me and my family to support the church. Of course, there'll be certain times when we'll be gone, and I know you will understand. We'll be gone on the following Sundays. We'll be gone two Sundays for my birthday and hers, four for the grandparents' birthdays, one for Valentine's weekend, two for the kids' spring break, one for the 4th of July weekend, four for summer vacations, one for Labor Day weekend, two for kids' Christmas break, two to go to the mountains, four for special Sundays at our parents' church, three for unexpected things that happen, two for sickness of our pets. You know they're just like family to us. Two for our anniversaries. Are you getting it? Two for the family reunions, one for Easter weekend, one for Memorial Day weekend, four for grandparents' Sunday one for back-to-school weekends, one for Thanksgiving, four for the average number of sicknesses we have, two to go to the ocean, and you know what? Uh, two for sleeping late, and you know what? We'll probably just take two Sundays because we need just a little rest from all the running around we do. So, Pastor, you can count on us. You can count on us to be in church on the third Sunday of April and the second Sunday of October. Now, did you get it? People make excuses to go somewhere else besides where God has asked them to go. And uh, I preach a sermon. I won't preach it this morning. But when you're in the wrong place, your right place is empty. If Brother Randy had a bunch of choir members missing in the choir, they'll be in the wrong place, perhaps, and there's two evils with being in the wrong place. One, you're in the wrong place. And number two, your right place is empty. Now you'd say, nobody misses me. Well, God misses you. 
That's the most important person. I know your pastor would miss you. Stand with me, please. Joshua chapter number 2. I am not a long-winded preacher. I'll get you out of here as quick as the Holy Spirit allows me to do so. And uh, I'm, I'm a weak, feeble country preacher, and so God won't use me very long. So you can say amen to that. <laughs> Joshua chapter number 2, verse number 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out to Shidem two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto us, but I wish not whence they were. Now, she's a good liar because she's not saved yet. And, and good sinners lie. That's just the way it is. Sinners will lie. I hope you're not a sinner. And verse 5, And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went out, I walk not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stacks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Let's pray. Father, please open our hearts to the Word of God this hour. Oh, Lord, help our burden for those that are lost in our family, in our neighborhood, in our community. Lord, only you can give that burden for those souls that are without Christ. Help us, Father, to have that burden to pray for them. Meet the need, Father, here today at Whitfield Baptist Church. Lord, span that gap, bridge that gap between our ear and our soul today that we may hear what you would want us to hear from your word. I humbly ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. And I tell you what, if you're sitting near a friend or a loved one, turn to them and say, I love you. That might help a few marriages also while I'm here, or a few friendships. Amen. <clears throat> this sermon has two purposes. One, to make you Christ-like. If you will intercede for someone lost, you become more like Christ. The more you pray for someone, the more you're concerned about their soul. Christ went out of his way and went to Samaria of all places and there knew the woman would come to the well and he led her to the Lord. He was concerned about her soul. So this sermon will make you more like Christ if you will pray for someone. The ushers have handed you out a little thing a little prayer, it, it needs to remain in your Bible. It needs to remain in your Bible so that every time you come, you can re be reminded, I need to pray for this person. And then number two, now this sermon will help see the church grow. You know the easiest way for Whitfield Baptist Church to double in attendance is everybody win someone to the Lord and bring them here to be saved or lead them to the Lord and they be baptized and join the church. If everybody would do that. I know we expect the pastor to do it. They're paid to do that. But it's really all of our jobs to be soul conscious of those that are around us. 
You'll say, well, they, they won't listen to me. I'm going to tell you what to do to make them listen to you. If you'll come tonight, I'm going to preach on how to pray for the lost. And if you'll pray correctly, God will touch their heart and get them into his will. Now, the story of the two spies and Rahab is a real interesting story, is it not? Here, Joshua is the Israeli defense force, the IDF's huge commander. He's the sovereign one. He has all power from God. And he says, we're going to go in, and God has said, kill them all. And uh, Joshua represents God, the sovereign one. The two spies is you and I. We represent, they represent really the saints. They are to go in, spy the land out, see where the armies are, see who has fortifications, who does not. They are a reconnaissance party, a recon party going in to determine how can we best conquer this land. Rahab, she's the sinner. She lies. She's not living a, 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 a what you'd say, a right kind of lifestyle. She is, needs to be saved. And so the two spies go into the country. They act like they're travelers. They go into Jericho before uh, it's dark. And they look around. They might say this. Wow, did you see those walls? Man, how thick they were. You almost ride two chariots on top of the walls in this town. You know, I bet they might have said to one another, it'd, it'd take an act of God, it'd be by the grace of God, if we could ever just get over these walls, much less do anything to them. They looked at the gates. The gates probably made out of wood, swinging on hinges. They probably said, you know what we probably need to do? Is tell Joshua, let's set a fire at every gate and burn the gates down. Then we'll rush in with a party and conquer this place. They look around. They see the garrison where the soldiers are living. They see City Hall, where the mayor, the king of the place is at probably, king of the region. And they said, you know, let's walk up on the wall. Because if we get up on the wall, we can see everything down in the city more clearly, and we can see what might be the best way for some of our men, our mountain troops, to climb over that wall and come into the city. And so when they get up on the wall, they discover that people have built houses on the wall. They have built houses. Rahab's house was built on the wall. And so when they come, and I, I'm, I'm going to give you my opinion and my uh, thoughts on this. I really think that because of some of the conversation with the two spies and Rahab, that her mother and daddy probably ran a bed and breakfast up there. Place to stay, place to eat. Because she's going to tell them, you know, we fear y'all. Forty, we, we know what happened at the Red Sea. And that was 45 years before this story developed. And so her mom and dad probably told her about what had happened at the Red Sea. The fear and the awe of this Israeli army came upon them. And when they got there, sure enough, there's a bed and breakfast there and then there's a prostitute's house. If you read the adventures of Marco Polo, you'll find throughout the Orient that there, that was a common practice in those days. That mother and father, even to Marco Polo, offered their daughter to him on several occasions when he went to different places. 
to spend the night with him. And so this wasn't an uncommon practice in that society. Uh, we see that they then uh, were hid up in the attic because she saw the king was coming with some of his soldiers and say, bring out those Israelis, those men who are going to conquer. Bring them out. And then she stood at the door. She hid them up in the attic, up in the thatch, where they couldn't be found by him. And she stood at the door and said, look, yeah, they came here, got about to eat probably, and now they've gone out. And as a matter of fact, see those hills over there? If you'll go to those hills, you'll find them. And so she lies like a good sinner always does. And she sent them out. And then she brought them down and spoke to them and said this, Look, we know what you're going to do. You're going to conquer this city. You're going to destroy it. You're going to kill everybody. Will you spare my life since I've spared yours? Will you spare my life? And uh, then they say to her, we don't have that authority, but we know the man who has the authority. And when we get back to him, we'll tell Joshua, we'll spare your life and your family's life. You with me? Say amen. I don't know where the rest of you are, but we're here. <laughs> and so uh, then uh, she says, uh, they say, how are we going to get out? How are we going to get back? She said, I've got this scarlet, I've got this red rope. We're going to hang it out the window, and you're going to skimmy down that red rope and see those hills on this side? Go over there and hide three days. And when you wait three days over there in those hills, then come back to Joshua. Go back to your leader and tell him. Now, here's what I imagine that happened. They did. They went down that scarlet rope out of her, her house. And by the way, I'm going to tell you how I imagine. Here is the ledge of the wall. It's a huge wall. And you don't build your house right on the edge. You leave a little walkway in case you've got to get a ladder to go up. And so the, her house is probably set back. And if you saw it as I saw it, there is a red rope hanging out a window at the top going down the wall. And if you looked at that from a distance, I believe you'd see the shape of a cross with blood coming down the center part. That's what they came down. They went to the woods, and then they go back to Joshua, and they say, uh, uh, we're here to report, sir. He said, men, tell me what you found. They might have said something like this. Uh, that's a big city, Joshua. That's a big city. The walls are, uh, they're, it'll take an act of God if we can just get over those walls. Well, it did, amen. If you know the story of Jericho. And then uh, Joshua might say, well, what about how many soldiers? And they gave him an estimate on how many soldiers. What's the best plan of attack? They might have said, you know what? They got four, four gates. They're all made out of wood. I believe we can put a fire at every gate and uh, hide back from it, let it burn. They can't probably put it out. And when it starts to come apart, then we rush from four sides and conquer that city. Joshua says, that sounds like a good plan. We'll, we'll look into it. And then he says, is there anything else, men? And then these two spies say, you know, there's a woman in there that saved our life. Because she saved our life, Joshua, can we spare her and her family? 
Joshua said, tell me what happened. And they tell the story of the two spies putting them up in the attic and protecting them from the king and then letting them down by a scarlet rope. Joshua says, well, how are we going to know which house it is on the wall? And uh, they say, sir, we instructed her that when the battle starts, throw that red rope out and have it hanging out of her window. I'm glad for the scarlet thread of redemption that you and I have, amen, from the Garden of Eden with that animal that was slain to provide a covering for Adam and Eve all the way to Calvary. Thank God for that. Joshua says, okay, i tell you what, I'm going to put you two men in charge of rescuing her and her family. And anybody who will listen to her who gets in the house will be saved, will be rescued. They then went to their battalion, their company, and got a group of men and said, look, here's our job in this invasion. We are to take this house and take the occupants of this house and bring them out safely. Now, how does, how does that relate to you and I? Well, I want to tell you something. The two spies are a type of Jesus. Two spies, Jesus, was really two persons. 100% man and 100% God. He, he left His glory. They left uh, their protection and went to a strange world. Christ left, amen, heaven and came to this world which was strange to Him. They surveyed this strange world and Christ came in this world to seek and to save that which was lost. They were hid in the attic and his childhood, his crucifixion, and his second coming are the three world's three best-kept secrets in all the world. He was hid from the world. Christ gave his life for mine, and here uh, these words are says, and the men answered her and said, Our life for yours. Christ gave his life for mine. Rahab represents the world. The world has a death penalty upon it. The wages of sin is death. People without Christ will die and go to hell. It's got a death penalty upon it. The world's only hope is Christ. And Rahab's only hope was these two men able to make intercession to Joshua, the great commander, that he would spare their life. Do you know? realize that Joshua could have said no? No, we're going to kill everybody. I don't care what she's done to help you. We're going to kill her. But he did not. He listened to the intercession. These men came down the scarlet rope, went in three days, hidden three days in the hills, and for three days Christ was hidden in the tomb. The two spies made intercession for Rahab to Joshua, and daily, Christ daily maketh intercession for you and I. He prayed for us in John chapter 17. Joshua gave mercy to Rahab, and God gives mercy to the world today through those who will come to Him. You know, being saved is not difficult. It's as simple as A, B, and C. A, admit you're a sinner. Admit it. Admit it to yourself, and then admit it to God. B, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved And thy household, Acts 16, 31. And then C, call for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 17. And so it's simple to be saved. It's not difficult. Now you and I are given the ministry of intercession. Intercession is to ask God to spare the life of someone else. 
for help in another person's life. Gypsy Smith was a preacher who preached in the early 1900s here in America. He was a gypsy and his family were gypsies. He sometimes would sing. He was a good singer and that got him into a lot of pulpits. Uh, but in the gypsy culture, you do, not dis, you do not disrespect your elders. You, there's a great, great emphasis upon the gypsy culture of having great respect. If your grandfather came into a room, you were to stand up until he told you to sit down. I mean, there, there's just respect for their elders. And he had an uncle who was lost. And gypsy was just a, a boy when he got saved. And, and he wondered, how am I going to tell my uncle uh, how to get saved? How am I going to tell him? And Gypsy Smith started praying for his uncle to be saved. And he prayed one day, God, allow me to say something to him because if I just give the gospel plan to him, that might disrespect him. And one day his uncle came to visit his home and Gypsy walked into the room where he was at and he had holes in his Pants were getting thin right at his knees, and his uncle said, uh, uh, Sonny, why, do you, why are your pants wore out right there? And he said, Uncle, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you that you'd get saved. And that tenderized the heart of that uncle in that gypsy culture. And he said to Gypsy Smith, he said, Sonny, if you're that concerned about my soul, I need to get concerned about my soul too. And Gypsy Smith was able to lead his uncle to the Lord. But it first started with what? Intercession. Praying to God for that person. George Mueller said in his biography, he prayed for five men on his prayer list. Two got saved within a couple of months. Uh, one got saved. Uh, two, one got saved about a year or two later, and then one got saved at his funeral, and the fifth man got saved two months after the funeral service. Our prayers are not in vain when we pray for somebody else. I preached this message over at Elizabeth Terrace Baptist Church in Rossville, Georgia. Pastor George Pinion, Brother James is the song leader there, and uh, Brother James in that service put down his sister, one of his sisters, that he's going to start praying for. Within a week, she called him from the hospital and said, please come see me at Erlanger Hospital. He went to the hospital, talked to her, and, and in that conversation, he said uh, to his sister, you know, have you been saved? Is everything right between you and God? He had, he had gone to God and made intercession for her. And now she's the one calling him over there to come see her. He led her to the Lord. And the next week, she passed away. How close it was. We are like the two spies making intercession for the Rahabs of this world. You'd say, I'm a church member. I don't have a job to do. Oh, you do. You do. You have the job of praying for people. You have the job of praying for your pastor. Just imagine if everybody in this church prayed for Brother Wayne five minutes a day. How many minutes per day would that all add up to? Why? That'd be over a thousand minutes a day. Go up in prayer for him, his family, Jason, their family, 
the work of the church, the ministries of the church. And how do we do that? We go to God and say, God, help this, my brother. That's intercession. R. A. Torrey tells in one of his sermons, and he lived from 1856 to 1928, Reuben Aaron Archer Torrey, a little town in Maine, the town, the church there in Maine, they, they had no pastor. The men were all fishermen and huntsmen, and none of them had a good education, enough to really read the Bible. But they kept meeting and, and singing. They knew the songs by memory and praying together. And uh, one of the guys said, what are we going to do? And one of the men said, let's, let's form a prayer band. Let's meet here on Monday night, and let's pray for our church. And so they met that Monday night, and one of them said, well, I know we're going to pray for our church, but really, what ought we ought to pray? And one of the men said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's put God in prayer for the meanest man in this town. And they got together, R.A. Torrey says, and banded together on Monday night and started praying for the meanest man in that town in Maine. Now, that placed a burden on their hearts when they left that place, and individually they started praying for that man Tuesday, Wednesday, all through the week. Did you know the next Sunday that man showed up at church and got saved? Hallelujah. They met the next Monday, and the guy said, uh, one guy said, well, who are we going to pray for now? They said, let's pray for the second meanest man in the community. They started praying for him. And then R.A. Torrey recorded that in over a one-year period, 200 people had gotten saved, and nobody could read the Bible hardly. But they prayed and made intercession to Joshua God for the Rahabs of this world. Let me ask you to do something. I want your prayer list there. I want you to put no more than two names. Put... On line one, the name of somebody who lives here in Whitfield County, Dalton, who would come to this church. Could be a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. Could be somebody, neighbor. Who would you pray for that if they were going to die next week, who would you pray for God to save? Put that name down there. And then in the second place, do you have a relative or friend that has moved off to a foreign country like Florida or Michigan or some you know, where they don't talk right, someplace like that. Put their name down. God's able to go a distance and uh, uh, send somebody to their door and knock on their door, lead them to the Lord. Two names, one close by, one afar off. And pray for them. Now you say, well, what's space three, four, five, six, seven? I'll tell you what it's for. When one of them on that list gets saved, Put a line through it and put the date you heard about it. They got saved. And then on line three, pick somebody else like these men up there in Maine did. Start praying for someone else. Is your mother saved? Is your father saved? Are your aunts and uncles saved? Your nephew, uh, your cousins, your family? Noah got his family in. Why can't we get all of our family in? And we can do it by praying unto God. Now the blessings are that Rahab got married. Did you know that? She got in and learned more about who this Lord God Jehovah was. 
and she got married. I'm going to tell you my opinion. I'll, I'll be corrected in heaven if it's wrong. But I, I believe she married one of those spies. I believe it was Salmon. That's a good name to name a boy if you like to fish. Amen. There are a lot of interesting names in the Bible to name children. You ought to read the Bible. Pick you out a good Bible name for a child like. And they, they got married and they had a son. I bet you've heard of him. Boaz. Wait a minute. Boaz, there's a book in the Bible that's got his story. Part of his story in there. The book of Ruth. Wait a minute. His mama was from Jericho and he marries a woman from Moab wonder why he had that compassion towards strangers and people. Because his mother was one at one time. And I believe she taught him to have compassion on those who are poor and widowed and those who are strangers. And all those fit this woman, Ruth. Well, that's not the end of that, that good story there. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David who did something no king before had been able, Saul wasn't able to do it, united all 12 kingdoms together, 12 tribes together. He had a son named Solomon. For an earthly man, the most wise, wisest man that walked on the earth and made judgments. That's not the end of the story. Guess what? It goes all the way down to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Rahab was the great, 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 and you can get as many greats as you want to, grandmother of Jesus. Somebody cared. Somebody prayed for her. Somebody prayed for her. Somebody cared for her. You know what? I, I can't do much as a believer, as a Christian, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can go over here to the sovereign one and say, Oh, have mercy on my loved ones. Have mercy on my... I just uh, led one of my aunts to the Lord this past summer. She was 94, and the times I tried to talk to her before, she pushed me away and pushed me away and said some things that were not nice in a way. But I kept praying for her and praying for her and praying for her. And I had a little time, I was preaching down in Florida at a good church, and there I, I spent some time praying for her. And on my way home, on my way from the drive out of Florida into Georgia, that new Georgia law caught me. My phone rang and it was her. And I had to break the law. I admitted I'll pay the fine. Whoever wants to arrest me, I punched the button and I said, hello, and called my aunt's name out. And you know what she said? Come see me. And then that was a Friday and on a Saturday, Mary and I, I told her what had happened and Mary and I prayed and prayed and I prayed in the nighttime. I prayed for her that God would open the door and meet a leader to him. And sure enough, we went down there after lunch on Friday over here in Dalton. And she was happy to see me. And I was still praying, God, bring the conversation around so I can bring the gospel in. And sure enough, it happened. She did. She opened the door wide open. Why? Because God answers prayer. Look at that prayer list there. Let me, let me tell you what it says. I am praying daily for the fallen to be saved according to 2 Peter 3 and 9. God is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slack, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So it's God's will 
God desires to save people. And, and Brother Jack did a great job talking about the free will of man, the will that we have. It's been given to us by God. But 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, uh, if we pray, we know that God hears our petitions, if it's in the will of God, and He'll grant us our petition. I, I made this statement in Sunday school during discussion time that we need to get as many boys and girls in Sunday school that have no dad or mom who goes to church. They may hear the Word of God and it get lodged in their heart and when they get older, when somebody prays for them to be saved, they will have that God, the Holy Ghost, can bring those, those verses back to their mind, what they were taught here at Whitfield Baptist Church, and be saved. God uses His Word. Evangelist A.B. Earl, Absalom Bacchus Earl, in a meeting, an influential lawyer challenged his preaching on the power of prayer. Preacher Earl said, sir, you want us to prove the power of prayer? Come step forward, stand right here. He said, oh no, oh no. I'm not coming forward. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the power of prayer. He said, you can pray for me. And he got up and got his stuff and left the meeting. And Brother Earl said to the congregation, how many of you will agree tomorrow at 12 noon you'll pray for this man every day at 12 noon. Just remember him when you go on your work break, your lunch break, to say a prayer for this lawyer. Hands went up everywhere. Three days later, three days later, the lawyer called the preacher and said, I need to get saved. He said, at 12 o'clock, I didn't know y'all were praying, but at 12 o'clock, there's a troubling in my soul about where I was going to spend eternity. What was I going to do, my soul, after I've earned all this money as a lawyer and then retire and die? I'm going to die. What am I going to do then? And he got saved. He actually uh, sold his law books and became a minister. For God, A.B. Earl said, you are never more like Christ than when you humble yourself and pray for somebody lost, that God would intercede. Will you pray for someone to be saved? Who have you put on your list? You got someone on your list? Listen, if you're here today and you're not saved, listen, you need to put your name down. And you're at the right place today. You need to come and ask God to save you.